Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information. Well, the NHL has a new champion. It's the first new champion since 2020, as the Colorado Avalanche defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6 to capture the Stanley Cup. Congratulations to the entire organization. What a year for Stan Kroenke, who now has three championships this year. A Super Bowl with the Rams, the National Lacrosse League Championship with the Colorado Mammoth, and now the NHL Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. A pretty good run. Meanwhile, the NHL is feeling good about where it's at after the Stanley Cup final. It talked with the Associated Press about specific growth metrics. The NHL is seeing major growth among women as research shows that 37% of hockey fans are female and that's seen a growth of 26% in that demographic since 2016. So strong growth in the NHL's female fan base, nearly 40% of all NHL fans are under 50. So the NHL feeling well positioned for the future. And this is your Morning Buzzcast for Monday, June 27th. Good morning. I'm Abe Madcore. Wimbledon starts today, and the tournament opens without the men's world number one player, Daniel Medvedev. And there are no tennis players from Russia and Belarus who have been barred from participating at Wimbledon. A report in the New York Times states the move is popular in Britain, according to opinion polls. But remember, this move has received real pushback from the men's and women's tennis tours, and this This will certainly be a storyline throughout the fortnight at Wimbledon with no players from Russia and Belarus participating at the All England Club. Let's shift to some other news. A big deal, first reported by SBJ's John Oran and Adam Stern late Friday, Formula One has apparently agreed to renew its rights deal with ESPN through 2025. Remember, F1 is one of the hottest sports properties, and it was expected to stay with ESPN, but the longer the deal took to complete, the more questions were being asked. Disney and ESPN beat out Amazon and Comcast, who were both surprisingly strong bidders for the package. Sources say that ESPN has agreed to pay around $75 to $90 million per year for the rights. Currently, ESPN pays in the neighborhood of $5 million per year for the rights. They signed a three-year, $15 million deal in 2019. Now you see what a significant increase this is for F1. Now, ESPN's deal allows it to put some, a few races on ESPN+, Plus, but most will be carried on ABC or ESPN. Now, sources tell John Oran and Adam Stern that Amazon put forth the highest bid, around $100 million per year. Comcast's offer was similar to ESPN's monetarily. Surprisingly, Netflix had discussions with F1 and actually made an offer, but apparently that offer was not very lucrative. In its decision to go with Disney and ESPN, F1 executives made it clear that they're not ready to put all of its races on a streaming service just yet. But again, a very big win for Formula One, one of the hottest sports 
in the business right now. Let's stay with motorsports because NASCAR started its season coverage with NBC starting with yesterday's race in Nashville. And NASCAR has to feel good about its first half of the year. It's seen increases in ratings, it's had strong attendance, and mostly exciting races and various winners at the track. In terms of ratings, for Fox's half of the season that ended this month at Sonoma Raceway, after 16 events, NASCAR's ratings were up 6% over last year. When you add in two exhibition events, like the Bush Clash from the Coliseum, viewership is actually up 8%, and the best number since 2017. So, bottom line is NASCAR's having a nice run of its season as well. Let's move on. I'm hosting a small dinner in New York City this week, and one topic that will surely be discussed is Saudi Arabia's interest in sports business. We know their support of Live Golf. Well, the New York Times reported over the weekend that Saudi Arabia has approached the WTA about hosting an event, possibly the WTA Tour Finals. But as of now, the WTA has not really considered playing a tournament in Saudi Arabia, and it would face a number of questions about having an event in a country with a very controversial record of rights for women. Now, Saudi Arabia has targeted tennis in the past, but it hasn't landed any official tour event on the men's or women's side, despite making some serious inquiries and offers. But this does show that Saudi Arabia very interested in expanding its sports investments. Now, let's shift to Live Golf, which hosts its first event in the U.S. this week at Pumpkin Ridge in Oregon. So here's the latest around Live Golf. First, it was reported that Live Golf will reimburse players who have been hit with fines from the DP World Tour for playing in the first Live Golf Series event outside of London a couple of weeks ago. So Live Golf will pick up those fines, and those fines could be more draconian if golfers continue to take part in the series. Now, more players are expected to join Live Golf. Today, Monday, Matthew Wolf is a 23-year-old golfer. He's expected to announce today he is joining Live Golf. There's speculation around Tommy Fleetwood and Henrik Stenson. So keep your eyes on the players who are officially joining Live Golf. Meanwhile, Live Golf rolled out its first advertising effort by running full-page ads in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times on Friday. Now, the ads feature text written in all caps, over a photo of a golf ball being teed up. The ad's message is about evolving the game of golf. It's about golf as a force for good. It's about supercharging the game and growing the game. So I'm interested to see if uh, Live Golf takes out more advertising and more promotion as they try to get their narrative about the series out to the public. And finally, let's end with this. The NACTA convention kicked off Sunday and will run through Wednesday at Mandalay Bay Resort in Las Vegas. This is big, as it's the first time in three years that NACTA, which is the National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics, has gathered in person, and they are expecting more than 6,000 attendees. The event was scheduled to be in Las Vegas two years ago, but COVID canceled it. Orlando was set to host the event last year, but it was held virtually instead. This is a big event. It's also very big for the city of Las Vegas. For years, it was a no-no for college sports to host events and competitions in Las Vegas, but it's a different city. 
and you're seeing more and more college championships held in Las Vegas. And to have NACTA's convention in Vegas will give so many college leaders a firsthand look at the venues and the layout and the vibe around Las Vegas. This will only help Las Vegas and NACTA will return to Las Vegas in 2024. So the city is already part of the convention rotation. But again, NACTA, a huge, huge event. So many athletic directors, so much business gets done, and it really sets the tone for the upcoming year. They're going to be talking a lot about name, image, and likeness and the transformation committee at NACTA over the next few days. It ends on Wednesday. So a lot going on in the sports business. Today is Monday, June 27th. That is your morning buzzcast. I'm Abe Madcor. Stay healthy. Be good to each other. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information.